what's going on everyone welcome into the pfn fantasy football podcast my name is kyle yates and i'm your host i can be found on twitter at kyle y nfl i am joined here today by kyle soppy he can be found on twitter at kyle soppy pfn soppy i will come back to you in a minute i am joined also by my good friend dave kluge of football guys he can be found on twitter at dave kluge dave how are you today my friend on this fine monday morning Doing great. You know, lots of waiver talks just wrapped up recording my show with Joey Wright. So we'll have that out later today as well. But that's what we do on Mondays is we look at who's available and who we got to pick up. And, uh, you know, this is a, a fun time of the week. All in an effort to make our fantasy football rosters better and chase down that fantasy football championship trophy. Sapi, how are you on this fine Monday? I'm doing good. Good energy today because we don't have a ton of we don't have a devastating injury to a fantasy superstar. Like what's not to like? That's my favorite kind of Monday. <laughs> So the a little peek behind the curtain here, we have an awesome audience engagement team that does all of the videos and the, you know, the they post the podcast and all this sort of stuff. They create the graphics, all this sort of stuff. But I will send over like the title for the podcast and the description, these different things that we want included. And I went back looking into the previous weeks to kind of just see, okay, what do I do normally for the title for these waiver wire shows, all that sort of stuff. And every single week up to this point, there has been week blank waiver wire pickups plus blank injury fallout and this week i was like oh we don't have to talk about an injury fallout like a major injury player that's awesome all right we are in a good mood here as we get into some running back waiver wire pickups on the week i will say before we get into that you can watch this show over at pfn fantasy on youtube youtube.com slash at pfn fantasy this is where you can watch the show play out make sure to go check that out and if you are watching hit that like button subscribe to the channel and click that bell to get notified for when our new content drops and i say this every single week we appreciate all the ratings and reviews that come in to help the podcast takes 30 seconds out of your day leave us a five-star rating you have no idea how much this helps this show let's get into running back waiver wire discussion soppy i will send it here to you first Running back five pickup on the week. Where are we going? Yeah, Roshan Johnson's still out there in too many leagues. I mean, he's missed two weeks with the concussion, which is obviously a concern. You get these concussions. We usually see it take like seven days to pass through protocol. So the fact that not only did he get hurt on a Thursday night, he missed a game, and now he's missed two games. There's obvious concern there, but with Khalil Herbert on IR right now. And Dante Foreman, I get that he had a good week, and we'll get to him later, but I don't think he's a special talent or anything. They want to see what they have in Roshan Johnson. So when he's back... I don't doubt that he leads his team in touches. We just, we don't know when that is. But right now he's worth a roster spot, a stash kind of play. Nothing you're plugging in right away. Dave, did Roshan Johnson crack the top five for you? Yeah, I kind of have a uh, two for one here at my RB4 for the week. I have both Deonta Foreman and Roshan Johnson because we've seen this Bears backfield kind of deploy a committee approach outside of the one game where Khalil Herbert was really kind of the workhorse. So I think we'll see it go to this sort of two-headed committee. What I like about Roshan Johnson more than Deonta Foreman, though, is that he has the pass-catching upside. We did see Foreman get a little bit involved in the screen game yesterday, but that's really where Roshan Johnson excels, not only as a pass-catcher, but also a pass-blocker. So he will get the majority of passing down snaps, which elevates his ceiling much, much higher. We saw a little bit of a split yesterday with Darrington Evans kind of getting some unexpected touches in there. So if they're trying to work Darrington Evans in as a one-two punch, you better believe Roshan Johnson is going to be plenty involved when he returns as well. Well, you saw even yesterday, Deonta Foreman, like he has not been known as a pass catching running back, certainly. And you even saw some of those deficiencies yesterday in that game, even though they were looking to get him involved. So there is an opportunity definitely for Roshan Johnson to carve out a role here in this offense when he does return. Obviously wish him a very speedy recovery. It is concerning to see that he is still in concussion protocol at this point. Sapi, did Deontay Foreman, you said we would talk about him a little bit later. Let's group him together here. Where did he land in the top five running back waiver wire pickups for you? 
Yeah, he was number three for me, and the only reason I had of have him ahead of Roshan's because he's healthy right now and he's playing. We know he's yeah. going to play this upcoming week and Herbert's going to miss it. So to that end, that's why I have him ranked higher. But I, I think Johnson's the better player. Everything Dave said was accurate. And I, I'm on board with Roshan winning this backfield, potentially moving forward. When Herbert comes back, like there's no guarantee that he's the guy if he's 100% healthy. So we'll see. But I think both these guys are worth stashing right now, forming the better play for week eight as we stand here on a Monday and week seven hasn't even ended yet. Uh, and in week eight, the Chicago Bears get the Los Angeles Chargers no run defense. So yeah, that man. is a pretty solid matchup there for whichever Bears running back gets the start. Dave, I'll send it back here to you. Who is at RB5 pickup on the week? So I think Kareem Hunt, if he's available, is the obvious guy you want to look at. But Pierre Strong in deep leagues is somebody that I'd be looking at. We saw Jerome Ford exit the game with an ankle injury. You know, can't really speculate too much, but some of the Twitter doctors out there are saying a potential high ankle injury sprain, which would just be devastating as we can see that can take, you know, six weeks, eight weeks sometimes to fully recover from. But yesterday, Pierre Strong outtouched Kareem Hunt five to two after Ford left the game. And Pierre Strong profiles as a very good pass catcher. He's got great hands. He's small. He's quick. He's good out in open space. And the Browns traded for him this offseason. You know, they didn't sign him off waivers. They didn't just pull him in as a free agent. They traded for him which means that they like something in his skill set I think he could be a sneaky pickup especially in PPR leagues Kareem Hunt is probably the guy if he's available that you want to go for but in your deeper leagues I think Pierre Strong is kind of the sneaky guy that could benefit from this potential Jerome Ford injury yeah and if this Jerome Ford injury is substantial and he's going to miss you know extended time here it might not be something where you're looking at being able to play Pierre Strong here in week eight, but definitely worth picking up and stashing, like you said, in deeper leagues to kind of see how this situation plays out as we move throughout the next couple of weeks here, because there is the potential that Pierre Strong is the next man up over Kareem Hunt for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. Sapi, I'll send it back here to you. RB4 pickup on the week. Yeah, I'm going the 49ers duo if either or both of them are available on your wire. Yes, I understand CMC is expected to play tonight and all that stuff. We seem to have cleared the health hurdles with him, but that doesn't mean he can't get hurt later in the season. And to me, on a weak waiver situation this week, I want upside. I want role potential. You look at, like in Buffalo or the Chargers, backfields like that don't really require you to back up your starting running back because they're, is Latavius Murray ever going to crack your top 20? He's not. If Cook gets hurt, Latavius Murray's not up there. We saw the Josh Kelly experience. I've had egg <laughs> on my face for like a month promoting the guy saying he'd be great. Austin Eckler finally comes back, and then Josh Kelly gets his touchdown. So whatever. But some backfields don't require you to back up the starter. To me, San Fran, if I can bet on a Kyle Shanahan system with Christian McCaffrey, who's already banged up a little bit, if not to the extent where he's going to miss a game, he's not 100%. Nobody is at this point in the season. So I want access to this backfield on my bench. And like I said, it's a weak waiver wire where you're not spending on a big bet, uh, Jerome Ford, for example, when Nick Chubb goes down, you got to blow all the right. budget on him to get a starting running back. That's not the case this week. So I'm, I'm happy to go the stash route with a guy like e Eli Mitchell or Jordan Mason. I do want to talk about this really quick before we move on to the next running backs uh, here on this list. So at what point throughout the season here, Soppy, do you begin to look at the getting the insurance running back, the handcuff running back here, locking up these backfields for the guys that are above on your roster versus the, you know, the cycling out the bottom of your bench, right? You know, and just kind of hoping that you hit gold with some of these waiver wire pickups. At what point do you begin thinking about that as you prepare for the fantasy playoffs? I think the moments now, if you've got a good team and you're looking at like a five and two, six and one record, but if you're down in the dumps and you need to swing for the upside now, if you're 
three and four or going to be three and four and need to make moves, then you can't really afford the luxury of a stash piece like backup 49ers back, you know, insert whoever you can pick up. But if you have a winning record, you're in good standing. I'm playing the long game rather than the short game this week. If you if you're six and one and you've managed to deal with all these bye weeks and injuries and you're still somehow six and one, go buy a lottery ticket right yeah, now. No uh, Dave, let's send it back to you. RB three pickup on the week for you. Uh, Tajay Spears for me, you know, Tennessee's coming off the bye right now. So he could have been dropped in a lot of leagues as managers were trying to navigate through these bye weeks. Uh, looking this morning, he's still available in almost two or three leagues, which blows my mind. I mean, obviously. Derrick Henry is the guy here, and he's still getting the majority of the touches. But when you start looking at the efficiency metrics, right, you know, breakaway run rate, rushing yards over expectation, juke rate, broken tackles, all of this stuff, Tajay Spears is looking at this point like I, I don't want to say he's a better running back than Derrick Henry. All right, that's crazy to say. But right now, the efficiency numbers are telling us that he is outperforming Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, um, great at catch, catching passes as well. So he's got some standalone value in PPR leagues. But really what it comes down to for me is that Derrick Henry hasn't looked like himself this year. Yeah. He's not breaking tackles. He's not getting the breakaway runs. He's not picking up yards after contact. Tajay Spears is doing all of those things. So if they start to reel back Derrick Henry's workload, which we're already seeing a little bit, he's had multiple games where he's played less than 60% of the snaps, something that we haven't seen since his second year in the league. He's done twice already this year. Tajay Spears could carve out a larger role for himself. They might even look to trade Derrick Henry to a contender. There's a lot of different ways that the cream can rise to the top here. Tajay Spears has looked like a great running back, and I'm trying to pick him up and stash him where I can. And then as we get to more bye weeks, after week eight, he could even work as kind of an RB3 flex type streamer. We talked about this last week with Jackson Smith and Jigba Sapi, where we talked about mm -hmm. the bye week coming out of bye weeks for these rookie players. You know, you see it a little bit more with wide receivers, but for these rookie running backs too, like there is the potential that they, the Tennessee Titans went into the bye week and they said, you know what? Everything that you've just said, Dave, right? The efficiency metrics, D Derek Henry is not looking like himself, all this sort of stuff. We need to get Ty J Spears more involved in this game plan. That could be the case you're coming out of the bye week. So I want to pick him up while he's kind of flying under the radar because the talent level is certainly there. And man, you want to get ahead of that rush if the Titans do decide to trade Derrick Henry to a contender like you mentioned here with the trade deadline, NFL trade deadline coming up here pretty quick. Sappy, RB2 pickup on the week. Where are we going? Yeah, and you mentioned that rookie adding and it can go sideways like I think we said the same thing for Quentin Johnston and that really hasn't panned out so it you're rolling the dice to some degree but I do agree with you the principle of stashing an asset that could get better with time and I think it's important to not lose guys off of bye weeks like that so I, I agree with that pickup my number two Daryl Henderson could make the argument for him number one but it was basically a split after all that chaos going into the week hey it's Zach Evans oh wait no it's Miles Gaskins now on the team oh, wait we got Royce Freeman the body the corpse of Royce Freeman oh wait no Daryl Henderson that's right he's still there let's get him the rock and a 39-29 snap advantage over Royce Freeman so he seems to be the better of a bad situation the reason I don't have him number one is because we think Kyron Williams is going to be back in a month and he's clearly the number one option in a offense that I still think is going to prefer to pass the ball instead of run it Kyron wasn't all that efficient when he was there he scored a bunch of touchdowns like that is what it is Daryl Henderson gets in this past week so he's the ad the short-term ad I don't have him number one because I don't think it lasts much beyond the month. But for right now, as a band-aid, I have no problem with it. Dave, did Daryl Henderson crack the top five for you? 
Yeah, he's my number one pickup for the yeah. month and uh, or for, for the week, I should say. And uh, Sapi, you talked about it. You know, he's probably not going to have a lot of value beyond this month. You know, once Kyron Williams returns, might not be seeing that, you know, 9,500% snap share that he was seeing earlier. <laughs> they might try to reel that back a little bit. So I think sure. that Daryl Henderson could kind of impede a little bit on Kyron Williams ceiling. But Daryl Henderson, man, this is the, uh, the 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 first game that he's played since I believe week eleven of last year. So it's understandable that his conditioning might not have been there. You know, he wasn't even on a practice squad. He wasn't anywhere. Right. Like he like Justin Pugh came straight off the couch <laughs> and just that. immediately played a workhorse role. And he saw eighteen carries to uh, Royce Freeman's twelve. But I think that we see that start to widen a little bit week in and week out. I mean, just two years ago when Cam Akers was recovering from that Achilles tear, mm-hmm. Daryl Henderson was a workhorse in this offense, and he was giving us RB1 production in a lot of weeks similar to Kyron Williams. You know, might not be the most talented guy, might not be the most efficient guy, but the workload is there. So, yeah, Daryl Henderson's my must-add this week because I think for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at a guy with low-end RB1, high-end RB2 upside until Kyron Williams returns. I think as we've talked about the top three players here, the, you know, RB5, RB4, RB3 pick, Pickups for each of you, those are minimal fab bids. Those are five percent mm-hmm. max, right? Right. I want to put this into context here, though. For Daryl Henderson, Sapi, what percentage of fab are you willing to spend to get Daryl Henderson onto your roster? I mean, if we were saying five percent for the other guys, I'll double that and say ten percent. I'm not going crazy here, but I mean, we as we get into the middle of the season, these ads get thinner and thinner. Like you don't want to go home with fab money in your pocket. That does you no good. So I mean, picking up a guy like him right now is a three week bandit. I have no problem with it. If you miss out on it, maybe lowball him and Royce Freeman and see you land one out of two. I'm not I'm not going crazy here, but he is worth a look. We'll get to the receivers. That That's kind of where my money's going if I'm spending it at all this week. Dave, what about for you? Yeah, I'd be looking at like 12 to 15 percent for yeah. Daryl Henderson. But I think Sapi hit the nail on the head. This is a much better week for wide receivers than it is for running backs. All right. And then let's get to uh, Dave, your number two running back pickup on the week. Mari De Mercado. And, you know, a lot of people were panicking and rage dropping him on Tuesday morning after last week when they spent all their fab on him and he didn't get the touches. But I was wary of dropping him because you looked at it. He led the team in route, routes run and he was on the field for a significant mm-hmm. portion of the game. He just wasn't really getting the touches. And then we saw the routes run and the snaps turn into production and touches this week. Keontae Ingram didn't log a single touch. Damian Williams only had one touch. Amari DeMarcado saw 94.7% of the opportunity share here. So a lot like Kyron Williams, James Conner will be back at some point. I think DeMarcado kind of makes for a fine Band-Aid for the next three to four weeks. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of looking at him. Technically, I've got him as my second priority this week, but it's very much so 1A, 1B. I like DeMarcado just as much as I like Daryl Henderson. Sapi, did Amari DeMarcado crack the top five for you? Yeah, he's my top guy, and the only reason I have him over Henderson is because we've got a track record of James Conner missing time because that's what he's done. For seven seasons, he's never played a full season. So to me, there's a little bit more risk in Conner than Williams, so that gives DiMarcado a slightly longer leash potentially. But again, we're splitting hairs. Both are good guys in the short term, maybe long term if the injuries are worse than we think they are. But right now, as a Band-Aid and a weak waiver wire situation and the running back position demarcado and henderson two clear top options so it sounds like for both of you this is pretty much a 1a 1b situation putting that into the same ballpark of fab there where it was 10 percent, 12 to 15 percent for mm-hmm. either of these guys let's move into you guys teased it let's get into the wide receiver waiver wire rankings here sapi who's your wide receiver five pickup on the week it's tank dell for me over 17 yards a catch coming off the bye people forget him he had the concussion so he missed a game then a bye week so he's kind of been off of your radar for a little bit here but 
Oh, the big play potential. They gave him two carries in each of the last two games that he played, so they're trying to get him the rock in an offense that wants to throw the ball because your guy Damian Pierce can't run it. That's so rude. Damian Pierce is in line for a big game here up against the Carolina oh, Panthers huge. defense. I will say that. Uh, Dave, let's send it back to you. A wide receiver five pickup on the week. Uh, Kendrick Bourne still available in quite a few yep. leagues. Uh, if there is a wide receiver to roster in New England, which there might not be at all, but if there was one, it's got to be Kendrick Bourne, right? I mean, he's yeah. got 51 targets on the year, which is double the next closest wide receiver. 16 receptions and 150 yards in his last two games. Uh, and, you know, it, Going up against Miami next week, I think that he is going to be in the streamer discussion. You know, they're going to have to throw to keep up with Miami. So Kendrick Bourne, not only is he a guy that you can kind of look at with some rest of season value, I really like him specifically in this week eight matchup. Yeah, you're looking at 18 targets over the past two weeks here for Kendrick Bourne. And it is interesting. The first two weeks of the season, 11 targets, nine targets, and then he just dropped down, right? Five mm -hmm. targets, three <laughs> targets, five targets. Then he's back up into 11 targets, seven targets. You really do not know what you're going to get with the New England Patriots offense. And I think in those games, it was when Juju Smith-Schuster was active and they were trying to get Juju Smith-Schuster the ball. And then I think they just realized, I mean, Juju didn't play last week, so that definitely helped Kendrick Bourne. But I think that's kind of what we see is that they were trying to get the ball in Juju's hand. And then we get the reports coming out that he is the fifth best wide right. receiver on the team, somebody out of Roxborough or out of Foxborough. So I think that we can kind of throw our hopes of Juju Smith-Schuster away and turn our sights to Kendrick Bourne. That's fair. Soppy, did Kendrick Bourne crack the top five for you? Yeah, I've got him at number four. I mean, I, I just don't think you're ever going to really feel great about playing a Patriot pass game. But like you said, you're going to be trailing if you're in New England the majority of the time. He seems to be the top target earner. That's kind of damning with faint praise. But here we are. He's, he's worth a roster spot. He's nowhere near the next few guys we're going to talk about. In the PFN Fantasy Discord, which you can join absolutely free here in the YouTube or podcast show description, uh, I got a question on Sunday morning about, like, should I start Kendrick Bourne? And it was, like, two other flex options, like, real bad flex options, like, players at the top 60 wide receivers. And I was like, I go with Kendrick Bourne. Like, at, at least <laughs> you have the potential for targets there versus the other two options and watching that game I was like vindication I at least got this right in this one uh all right let's keep moving here uh Dave your number four wide receiver pickup on the week I really don't like touting Jamison Williams all that much uh my bust meter is beeping pretty loudly you know we got a lot of reasons to move off of Jamison Williams but at the end of the day he saw six targets Granted, he didn't catch one of them, and he finished the game with zero points, but he saw six targets, and they're trying to get the ball to him. We saw the big play upside just two weeks ago. Like I said, I, I am a little wary of Jamison Williams. You know, big fan of his coming into the league, but with the injuries and the suspension and the drops, it seems like reasons are just piling up that he might not pan out. But at the end of the day, you cannot deny his ability to get deep on defenses. We've seen it a couple times already this year. He caught one. He dropped another, dropped another, probably going to drop more. Oh, but yeah. I feel like responsibly as a fantasy football analyst, I got to tell you to pick up Jamison Williams if he's available and stash him, because if he can get his head on right, he he has tremendous upside. Yeah, I don't think that you're going to feel supremely confident playing him here in week eight up against the Las Vegas Raiders. Granted, it is a great right. matchup. I, I don't think that you're going to feel supremely confident starting him then a bye week in week nine. So this could be a situation, too, where it's like I think you stash him. You at least pick him up here. Minimal fab bid. People are going to see you got zero points here. They're going to rage drop him. The expectations are not being met here. I like the call to stash him here and see how this plays out as we move uh, coming out of that bye week too. We, again, we talk about this with the rookie wide receivers. Jamison Williams is essentially a rookie wide receiver here. We could yeah. see him get more involved in the offense as we move forward. Uh, Sapi, wide receiver three pickup on the week. JSN 
for Seattle. I, I, we saw him fill in for DK Metcalf, and he performed, and that's what we thought. He's basically a handcuff receiver, but we did see the usage trend in the right direction when DK was healthy, now or active. You could argue if he was healthy or not, but the fact that he's at the very least a handcuff that works into a top 35 role should Lockett or DK Metcalf sit. That makes him valuable and worthy of a roster spot as it is with DK battling the ribs now. He's he needs to be on rosters. Like, there's no excuse about it. He's a starting fantasy receiver if DK Metcalf were to sit again. And just the thought of that potentially being a problem puts him at wide receiver three for me this week. Uh, I am looking at the show doc here, fellas, and I do not see Jake Bobo on either of your remaining top three <laughs> wide receiver pickups on the week. <laughs> that, was, that was impressive. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba there, wide receiver three pickup on the week for Soppy. Kluge, I'll send it back to you. Wide receiver three pickup. Where are we going? Uh, for me, it is Josh Downs, man. He has looked unbelievable. And I'll say, like, the top three for me are all very, very close. These guys are all must-add. So saying Josh Downs is my wide receiver three, he could just as easily be my number one pickup this week. I mean, he has looked great. He's got 33 receptions through his first seven games, over 400 yards receiving. Um, and he was looking good with Anthony Richardson. But over the last couple of weeks, we've really yep. seen him step it up into a different level with Gardner Minshew here. Uh, there are just a lot more pass attempts to go around Gardner Minshew, even though he's him run into the end zone twice yesterday uh, he's not gonna be doing that consistently doesn't have that same rushing upside anthony richardson does he's gonna stand in the pocket he's going to attempt more passes and josh downs you know the number two behind uh michael Pittman, obviously but you know we talk about rookie quarterbacks struggle to support fantasy relevant wide receivers rushing rookie quarterbacks struggle to do it even more at this point gardner Minshew is a seasoned vet he knows what he can do to get the ball in his playmakers hands michael Pittman says he sees his ceiling get elevated with Gardner Minshew here and Josh Downs firmly enters the back end wide receiver two high end wide receiver three discussion just about every week 13 half PPR points in week five 11 in week six 21 here this past week Josh Downs is getting it done we got to stop talking about Josh Downs on this waiver wire podcast that means people you need to go pick Mm -hmm. him up because that way we can stop talking about him because he clears our threshold soppy Josh Downs in the top three for you I'm assuming yeah, he was my number two. I mean, he's seeing over a quarter of the targets with Gardner Minshew this season, and we trust the talent. We trust the situation this team is in, and we just saw them hang a big number on the Browns. I get that that doesn't happen all the time, but the Browns just came off of making the 49ers look like an average offense. We think that's one of the best defenses in the world, so no reason to, to back down from this Colts offense right now. All right, Dave, I will send it back here to you. Your wide receiver two pickup on the week. My apologies. We forgot to talk about him when we were talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Tell me your thoughts here on JSN. Yeah, I think Sapi already nailed it. Uh, you know, we're looking at, yeah, I hate to use the term handcuff wide receiver, but that's kind of what he is. Yeah. You know, if DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett misses any time, JSN is a must start. But we talked about it all offseason, talked about it for the first few weeks of this season as well. You don't drop first round wide receivers. You just don't do it. Like if you're drafting a rookie wide receiver, you know it's going to take some time for them to ramp up. JSN especially is going to have a bigger learning curve because he missed all of last year. He basically right. sat right. out in college. So it's understandable that it was taking him him some time to ramp up but JSN has that upside that we have seen during his time at Ohio State he could easily be I hate to throw the term league winner around in week eight but he has that type of upside the first receiver drafted in this class he could be that late season hammer that helps you win a championship not only did JSN barely see the field last season at Ohio State he had wrist surgery two or three weeks before the start of this season so like we're we're adding that onto things as well for him to get this like slow start to the year I think that we could see JSN's involvement ramp up even further. All right, fellas, I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk about your, I mean, Sapi, I'll just send it to you. 
Who's that not wide receiver one pickup on the week for you? Yeah, I don't know. For like the fourth waiver wire podcast <laughs> in a row in October, it's Rasheed Rice. And if Dave's not willing to put the league winner title on a receiver, I will. Rasheed Rice could very well do it. He's a wide receiver one without a doubt in Kansas City right now. Still on way too many waiver wires. You're looking at a 20-25% fab bid on him because you were lazy and didn't pick him up a month ago. So to me, you're you're paying the tax there for not paying attention to where this was trending. He's very much in the in the direction of number one. Like, I can't imagine. I understand that a guy like DeAndre Hopkins has a bigger name. How in the world would you justify playing him over a guy like Rice? I mean, we saw him run around on 65% of dropbacks last week, 77% catch rate for the season. He's got a touchdown in two of his last three games. He is just special with the ball in his hands, has a variety of skills in this Kansas City offense, and that's the important part. Kansas City offense, you're betting on Patrick Mahomes to get the man the ball. I could think of worse things to do. Dave, what are your thoughts here on Rashid Rice? Man, I love him. Um, you know, going into last week, I talked about this. Rashi Rice was my number one pickup last week on the waiver show. He was also my number one start of the week when we start All talking right. about like some flex plays to put in your league or in your lineups. And talked about it last week, but only Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs, and Brandon Ayuk are drawing more targets per route run than Rashi Rice. Like when he's on the field, he is getting the ball and he's doing things with it. And now we're seeing that snap share start to grow a little bit. But really what it comes down to for me is just that he has had three consecutive weeks where he has been number two in targets behind only Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is clearly the wide receiver one on sure. this team, if you can call him that. But Rashi Rice is very much so the number two, and he's just a fantastic athlete. What he can do after the catch brings such an element to this offense that nobody else has. We saw him truck through a defender yesterday. Last week, we saw him on that bubble screen where he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. When I was watching the game live, I thought that it was a screen to Isaiah Pacheco, the way that Rashi Rice was running after the catch. He's just a great player, super explosive. Second-round rookie that, again, takes a little bit of time to ramp up, but we're seeing him ramp up now and he could absolutely be a top 20 wide receiver for the rest of the season so soppy said 25 percent fab bid there uh he also took a dig at fantasy managers because he's touting you know just uh, if you were lazy and didn't pick it. it up before they deserve it <laughs> dave what's the context what's the fab percentage here for receiver rice yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd even go as high as 30% if you really sure. need a receiver. Um, yeah, I mean, he he's a guy that you, you, you got to try to get on your roster if you can. He has huge, huge upside. All right, let's keep it moving here. Let's go to the quarterback waiver wire pickups here for week eight. Soppy, who is a quarterback worth looking at on the waiver wire due to their matchup? I think you've got two rookies coming off a bye in the same game here. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. We're just going to clump them together because Stroud's Personally, he's not available in a lot of leagues I play in, but if he's available in yours and the numbers say he's out there plenty, I mean, you're talking at a guy that's had four top 13 finishes in his last five games. Like, that's an elevated floor that you don't see from a rookie all that often. They're going his way. They're asking him to lead this offense. They just are. With Tank Dell hopefully coming back, we talked about him earlier, Dalton Schultz emerging, and Nico Counts being a number one, and a lack of a trustworthy running game here. CJ Stroud is a top 10 guy for me this week. And with the bye week past him, like if you're trying to stream and piece together the position, you might add him and not have to worry about that the rest of the year. CJ Stroud, also a top 10 quarterback on the week here in my very early week eight rankings. Those sure. will get shifted and moved as we move throughout the week, but I'm excited for CJ Stroud in this game. I do want to move up before we move on though. Bryce Young, Bryce Young yeah. calling him a waiver wire pickup. I, I get the process and I get the thought process here, but Man, that is a risky investment based on what we've seen here from Bryce Young so far. So what exactly about Young in this matchup makes you confident in picking him up? 
part of it's a matchup. Part of it's that there's no teams on a bye this week. So if you need a streaming quarterback, I really don't know what you're doing with your roster here. So we got to dig a little deeper. If you're stuck, if it's a, a real deep league, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's thrown 79 passes over his last two games. They're starting to open him up just a little bit. Adam Thielen has provided the type of floor we're looking for. The running game, I'm not sold on. DJ Chark offers some upside down the field. And could this game maybe shoot out? Like both defenses have underachieved. Rookie coming off the bye, we already talked about that. So the same process kind of sits with Young. Listen, he's not a top 12. He's hardly – he's like fringe 15, 16, 17 for me. Right. It's not a high ranking. There's no there's no quarterbacks on a bye. So if you're streaming this, you're in trouble. If you're in trouble, I'm saying Bryce Young could throw you a life raft. Sure. All right, Dave, let's move over to you. A quarterback worth looking at here in week eight. Yeah, it's crazy to me that Brock Birdie is somebody that we are consistently talking about as a streaming option because I feel like people just aren't buying into it, and he's still available in over 50% of leagues. Coming off that bad matchup against Cleveland in Week 6, that was the first time that we've really seen a floor game for Brock Purdy where he gave us 8.7 mm -hmm. points. I think he bounces back next week against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, much more susceptible uh, secondary there that he should be able to pick apart. He'll also uh, be without Debo Samuel, of course, but by then, hopefully, Christian McCaffrey is back to 100%. And up until that week six matchup against Cleveland, we were basically looking at a 15-point floor and a 25-point ceiling for right. Brock Purdy every single week. There are a lot of nitpicks that you could have early in his career about some of his deficiencies as a passer, but he is developing into a very good quarterback, maybe even more than what we label him as just kind of a product of the Shanahan offense and a product of the weapons around him. He's making hard throws. He's playing off off script. He's making some off-platform throws. He's kind of putting it all together and looking like a good quarterback. So I'm looking at him as a top 10 guy for the rest of the season, but especially in this matchup against Cincinnati, he makes for a good option. Uh, the only other quarterback that I will mention here really quick before we move on is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray only rostered in 30% oh, yeah. of leagues here where, I mean, it's looking like he's coming back. Obviously brought into the 21-day window practice window here, so we could see him return to the active roster here sooner than later. And it sounds like Arizona wants to get him back onto the field here this year. And we know what Kyler can do when he is active. So probably not going to have him until week 12, you know, or something like that crazy. But... If you're looking like one of those five and two, six and one teams there that Sapi mentioned off the top and you have space on the bottom of your bench for a quarterback that could provide you some league winning upside, Kyler Murray worth picking up now and stashing. Let's move into the tight end position here. Sapi, top tight end to target here on the waiver wire in week eight. Yeah, I think if there's a Dalton on the waiver wire, you got to look that way, whether it's Kincaid or Schultz, both trending in the right direction here. Kincaid with the big week seven I mean, he caught all eight of his targets playing over Dawson Knox. You like where that's trending. Knox had the touchdown called back. I get it. But they're looking his way. That's This just isn't an offense that wants to function with three receivers on the field. So if they can get a pseudo receiver in a big body like Kincaid, I think the rookie is trending in the right direction. And for Schultz, I mean, we've seen him take off. Like, I wasn't sold on him in the first month of the season, weeks one through three. He caught seven of 14 targets for 47 yards. And we're like, forget this guy. He... He left all his skills. It's like Space Jam situation. He lost his skills. <laughs> he left them all in Dallas. Wasn't going to recover them. But next three games, 14 catches on 20 targets for a buck 68 and three scores. He's looking like a, a legit option in this pass first offense. Maybe he's the number two. Maybe he usurps Tank Dell as the number two target earner in this offense. So if there's a Dalton on your waiver wire, you've got my stamp of approval to pick him up and play him the rest of the way. All right, Dave, what about for you at the tight end position? 
I've got two guys that I really like. Uh, Gerald Everett, first of all, he's just been like one of my favorite players in the league for years and talked about him as probably the biggest winner. Uh, not, not that anybody wins when somebody gets injured, but when Mike Williams went down, Gerald Everett and Michael Williams play very similar roles, and Gerald Everett has really seen his role in this offense grow since the Mike Williams injury. He's seen five-plus targets in every all in, I'm sorry, in all but one game. He's had back-to-back games with touchdown. You know, he makes it for a very strong red zone presence. So really like him. And then Taysom Hill is another one. Mm-hmm. Taysom Hill suddenly getting very involved as a pass catcher and he still gets the gimmicky stuff too you know he's had six carries and a few dropbacks over the last couple of weeks but he's also seen 13 targets and all of his touches not all of them but so many of them come inside the red zone that they make for very high value touches only Alvin Kamara has more touches inside the red zone this year than Taysom Hill so Again, you know, the floor here is very shaky with Taysom Hill. You don't necessarily feel great plugging him into your lineup, but the ceiling is so high that if you find yourself in a position where you are swinging for the fences and streaming tight ends, I'd much rather go with a guy who has a 20, 25 point weekly ceiling than the guy that you're hoping to get six to eight points from. Stupid Zach Ertz. Like, yeah, take Taysom Hill (laughs) over Zach Ertz. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. Taysom Hill has finished as a top 10 tight end each of the past two weeks. Uh, that is where yep. we're at, and he's. I mean, you consistently see. You're watching the New Orleans Saints games. You consistently see him as the slot receiver in this offense. He is out there. He's getting the targets. Thirteen targets for Taysom Hill. What kind of world are we living in? Okay, <laughs> let's go into DST pickups on the week here. Let's fly through this one, Sapi. Who is a DST worth looking at? Yeah, there's one good one and one gross one in my opinion this week. You're going with the Dolphins. I mean, the defense isn't that great, but you put New England. If you're telling me Mac Jones is going to have to drop back to throw the ball 40-plus times, sign me up. I don't care if it's a Pop Warner defense on the other side. He'll turn the ball over. He'll give you chances to make plays. And the Dolphins coming off their third double-digit fantasy point game of the season against the Eagles. So I'll go that direction. I mean, they have 14 sacks over those last three games. They are trending in the right direction, and that offense puts pressure on opposing offenses. If you're getting gross, if you're getting down in the dirt, and you need to really just, I don't know, you're playing a deep league, you need a flyer, maybe it's DFS, but the Giants' defense, they're terrible. Don't get me wrong, but they had six sacks against Washington. They get the Jets. They've allowed under 20 points in three of the last four games. There's a decent floor that comes with things when you play against the Jets. Like That's just kind of where we stand. They blitz at an above-average rate. So if you're telling me Zach Wilson is heated up for 15 of his dropbacks, like I'll take my chances and think that they could fall into something. The Giants defense actually the past two weeks has not been two a weeks, bad yeah. unit. I mean, granted, it went up against Washington, who Sam Howell is on pace for 97 sacks oh this God, season or something like that. And they get the Eagles this week, the Washington Commanders. So the Eagles defense is about to add eight to that total. Uh, but New York, it's not a bad call. Uh, Dave, who is a DST worth looking at here this week? They might not be available because they are technically the DST six right now. They've been scoring points, but Seattle has a good matchup up against Cleveland. I don't think we thought that we'd be saying that going up against Deshaun Watson would be a good matchup, but he's been terrible on a EPA per dropback basis. He has been the worst quarterback in the NFL so far this year. And then if he starts, I think that you're still comfortable starting the Seattle defense. And if they have to go to PJ Walker, we see PJ Walker make a lot of bonehead mistakes. So Either of these quarterbacks are going to have a lot of turnover-worthy plays and giving up a lot of sacks. So uh, like Seattle a lot this week, a little bit deeper down the rankings here if you're really streaming and scraping the barrel. Tennessee going up against Atlanta. Um, Again, you know, looking at the quarterback here, quarterbacks that are prone to mistakes. Desmond Ritter. 
you know, fumbling at the goal line, getting the ball punched out as he's running in for a touchdown. I don't think we're going to see those types of mistakes just disappear from Desmond Ritter overnight. We've seen it consistently all season long. So Tennessee, their defense hasn't been quite as stout as we've seen in years past. You know, they're not the same defense that we could just plug and play as a top 10 team every single week. But up against Atlanta, I think they make for a pretty good matchup this week. All right, let's move into top 10 overall. We've talked about a lot of players here. Let's put it all into context here. Soppy, run down waiver wire pickups from 10 down to number one. Yeah, we're going to go top down here. Eli Mitchell, number 10. Kendrick, idiot sandwich born. Check out the week say you go back go back and check the week seven preview document that will tell you all you need to know about that nickname Deontay Foreman number eight Daryl Henderson number seven for me this week Amari Damacado my number one running back number six in the overall JSN number five Dalton Schultz number four his quarterback CJ Stroud at number three Josh Downs number two and for the fourth time in October, Rasheed <laughs> Rice, the number one pickup. If you guys make me do this again next week, like I'm just gonna put it, I'm gonna get a Rasheed Rice jersey and just hang it over the camera. And that's that'll cover the analysis portion. <laughs> All right, Dave, top ten waiver wire pickups from ten down to number one. Uh, number 10 for me is Pierre Strong. Number nine is kind of the two for one I talked about. Deonta Foreman or Roshan Johnson both make four pretty good streamers going forward. Number eight for me is Brock Purdy, who I think is a top 10 quarterback for the rest of the season. Number seven is Tajay Spears, standalone value with the contingent upside that we really like to see in a running back. Gerald Everett, you know, if you've got to pick up a tight end, I really Let's like go. Gerald Everett's rest of season outlook without Mike Williams. Uh, Amari De Mercado is in the top five for me, and the top five here are the guys that I'm really really targeting pretty heavily this week. Amari De Mercado should be in the streaming discussion as an RB2 as long as James Conner is out. Josh Downs looking like a plug-and-play wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Jackson Smith-Najigbo looking at that huge late-season upside for a rookie wide receiver. Daryl Henderson, I think, could be kind of a sneaky RB1, RB2 on that fringe for the rest of the, 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 the time Kyron Williams miss. And then, like Sapi just said, Rasheed Rice, you know, you got to plug this guy in. What he's doing right now as the Chiefs wide receiver, one must uh, must add, must start, all the must going forward. <laughs> all right, there is week eight waiver wire pickups in the bag here. Dave, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule here to jump on, talk some waiver wire pickups here. What do you got going on that people need to know about here this season, and where can they find and follow you on social media? Yeah, staying busy with the Football Guys Fantasy Football Show. Alfredo Brown and I are bringing you that show five days a week on audio. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can find that show. That's pretty much where all my time goes. If you want to follow me on Twitter, if you're into memes and really dumb jokes, you can find me at Dave Kluge. But really check out the show, Football Guys Fantasy Football Show. It's been a really, really fun time this year. All right, we will have you covered here as we move throughout the rest of the waiver wire pickups here for Week 8. Of course, we have Soppy's waiver wire live stream at 1 p.m on Tuesdays here right here on the YouTube channel at PFN Fantasy and then of course pfnfantasy.com for all the written content everything you need to know as you're setting your waiver wire claims here for week eight all right that'll do it for Kyle Soppy and Dave Kluge I'm Kyle Yates thanks for watching and we'll see you next time